Good morning. Man, I don't know. Maybe the... Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons flee at your name. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. I'm pretty happy that I'm going, not just I'm going to heaven, I'm already in Jesus, you know. But when I have the joy and the privilege to partner with God's church and see people get free, see you rising up in faith and see us moving forth into the nations to bring uh, uh, his kingdom to people's lives, oh man, start losing it. So very, very happy to be here with you. Very privileged to be able to share the Word of God with you. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor David, and uh, we're going to dive into the Word here. If you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, it's near the end of the New Testament, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. <clears throat> we're continuing our series called Winning the Battle for Purity. And for most of you, you uh, you've heard this, or most of you already realize this, but the issue of sexual sin is a serious issue in our culture It's always been a serious issue to God, but especially in our culture, we have families, marriages being torn apart because, specifically because of sexual sin, abortion, divorce, abuse, human trafficking. All these things are on the rise in our culture and in the nations. It's tearing the fabric of our society apart, and it's all related to this issue of sexual sin. And so here's the deal. The Lord wants us free. He wants his people free. The scriptures say in 1 Thessalonians 4 that it is God's will for us to be sanctified, for us to walk in purity. And so we at this church don't believe in coping with our problems. We believe in overcoming our problems. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you very much. Because this is not just some average ordinary book. This isn't just some history book. This is the very word of God. And in it, God has given us specific, clear, surefire strategies for victory. Our commander-in-chief, our Lord Jesus Christ, as Dan Danette laid out last week, has given us battle plans. And if we'll do them, we will see success. And they're not, these aren't just nice little, uh, nice little advice, right? This is our Lord Jesus telling us how to get victory. And so it's absolutely important. This series is really about us fulfilling the call of God on our life. This series is about us experiencing the intimacy and the pleasure with God and with our spouse that he intended us for. This, this series is about wholeness in our emotions and our relationships. But in order for us to go into the thing that God has for us, in order for us to literally score, right, not in the worldly sense, but in the godly sense, and if you don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to go listen to one of the other messages, but the Lord wants us to score in uh, his way. In order for us to do that, we've got to deal with this issue of purity. And... Uh, <clears throat> A couple weeks ago, I laid out what's called an offensive strategy. Romans chapter 6 says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is what, what we were doing this morning. We were standing in faith on who we are in Christ. This is what we call offensive strategy. Why? Because the greatest defense, all right, the best defense is a great offense, or however you want to say it. And what we have been discovering from the Word of God is that if you will apply This strategy of considering yourself, thinking of yourself as the righteousness of God, which is who you really are if you are in Christ, if you have put your faith 
your trust in Jesus, you are righteous in Christ, if you will do that, if you allow your mind to be washed and you will be established in this reality, rather than believing what you think, rather than believing what you feel, what you do, what your past says you are, if you'll believe what God says about you, this is the offensive strategy that will move the ball down the field, right? Yard by yard, first down by first down, it will move you into wholeness. You got to work these you got to work this offensive strategy to move your life out of where you've been and move yourself down the field of wholeness into that place of of fulfilling your calling and being whole. Offensive strategy absolutely important essential. However, today I get to talk about the defensive strategies. <clears throat> because if you continue to allow the other team the enemy, to just keep scoring on you all the time, you can't work the offensive strategies, right? You can't be winning if you're losing, yeah? That's a good one. <laughs> no, I don't think, I, I think if you were to get a bunch of sports nuts in, you know, in here and they were to argue about what's more important, offensive defense, I think bottom line, we'd all say, look, you need both. You can't have a team just with offense on any sport. You need offensive strategies and defensive strategies. And a couple weeks ago, I said, you have to work the offensive. It's the only way you're actually going to score. You know, get off of the defense. Get the ball out of your side of the field and get into the other team's side of the field and aggressively attack their basket, end zone, whatever, you know, goal, whatever the sport is. But we've got to work the defensive strategies. Why? Because we've got to keep the enemy, the other team, from scoring on us. We've got to keep from losing. <clears throat> In First Peter 4, let's read this here. 1 Peter 4, it says here in verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. That's one of those verses you don't really want to read in the Bible, huh? I'm going to talk to you about defensive strategies, and the defensive strategies today, they're all about resistance. They're all about self-control. They're all about suffering. Yes, you heard me right. Suffering. It says here that Jesus suffered in his body. That he bore our sin. He took on the cross. For those of you who don't know this, Jesus chose the nails. Nobody killed him. He chose everything that happened to him. He embraced that for our sake. And it says here that we are to arm ourselves Literally to put on that same attitude, that same way of thinking. Just as I died to sin and I lived to God, right? Just as whatever happened to him happened to me, whatever is true of Jesus is true of me, I'm supposed to arm myself with that exact same attitude of suffering against sin, of resisting it. And the person who has taken on that kind of attitude, that kind of mentality, who has embraced the suffering of the cross... It is that person who is, listen, done with sin. Done. Done. 
Does that mean you're not going to be perfect? No, not necessarily. But it means you're done with sin. I'm going to give you some defensive strategies. And I want you to understand something right now. Bottom line it to you. If you have not truly repented, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, if you have not consecrated and sanctified your life to Jesus as your Lord, like Dan talked about last week, number one, you won't do what I'm talking about today. You just won't do it. Okay? You just won't do it. Because what I'm talking about today is about suffering. And the reason why people are addicted, the reason why sin has a hold on us, is because we want to live for ourselves. We want to live for pleasure. And in order to get free, and in order to become that person that God has created you to be, you have to hate sin. And you have to break free. You have to make a break in your life, a decision in your life, that I'm no longer going to live for my desires and my will and my pleasure, but I'm going to begin to live for the will of God, to please God. That is true repentance. And Dan talked to us about that last week. See, Romans 6 doesn't just say consider yourself dead to sin alive to God. Listen to what Romans 6 says after that. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body, the members of your body to sin as instruments or, wicked, or, or weapons of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body, the parts of your body, The parts of your body, getting into this very physical, very specific, very concrete. This is not some mystical, spiritual, ooh, mysterious, how are we going to get free? We offer the parts of our body as instruments or weapons of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. See, because... What is true of Jesus is true of me. Because I die to that sin and I live to God. Then I live in that reality. And that, living in that reality is my offensive strategy that moves me into the end zone. But the other defensive strategy is right here in the text. It's right there in 1 Peter 4. It's definitely what Dan talked about last week in 1 Thessalonians 4. That you must offer yourself to God to say, Lord, I'm a weapon of righteousness. These hands, these eyes, these ears, this mouth, this body, my reproductive organs. Yes, I did say that. Are weapons of righteousness. The members, the parts of my body consecrated to Jesus as my Lord. That I live for your will and your pleasure. I don't belong to myself. This is not about me. This is not what I want. This is what Jesus wants. If you don't arm yourself with that kind of attitude, if you don't think that way, if you've not truly repented, then like I said, number one, you just won't even do what I'm talking about today. Number two, you'll think that it's legalism. You'll think that what I'm going to lay out to you today is just rules and laws and stuffy old religion. It's not. It's just smart. In fact, Romans 6 says it's grace. For you are not under law, but under grace. Amen? So are you ready to suffer? (laughs) Are you ready to arm yourself? And to get some defensive strategies in your life? 
as long as a person will not stop the behavior, they won't be able to grow in wholeness. See, right, the goal of this series and the whole point of the offensive strategy is to move towards wholeness, healing, intimacy. But as long as you're stuck in the behavior, and again, I'm not referring to perfection, but I'm talking about coddling your little God, making compromises with the sin, having your little plan B, having your little addiction off to the side just in case. As long as it's still there, as long as the behavior is still there and you have not made the break, and you cannot do the offensive strategy. You cannot move into that, poor, poor, uh, that, that segment of, whole, of, of wholeness. I've seen people on fire for God, growing in wholeness, starting to catch the things of the Lord. Then they'll go back into the behavior. And I don't just mean like they made a mistake. I mean that they've gone into what we call relapse, where they start making excuses. And, well, God said it was okay, and I just feel at peace about it, and, and, you know, and, and it's not that bad, and I can get control of it, and all that kind of stuff. They go back into the behavior, and guess what happens? The wholeness process that I'm really focused on, the healing that I'm really focused on, the passion, the faith that we're really focused on, stops. It just stops. Not because I wanted to, not because they wanted to, but because the behavior keeps them in bondage, see, so, it, 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 you know, I said it kind of in a silly way a second ago, but if you are always losing, you can't be winning. If you don't have the defensive strategy to stop the enemy, you can't work the offensive strategy. If you're stuck in the behavior, then it short circuits the process of wholeness and healing. It's just the reality. So we've got to learn how to go cold turkey, stop the behavior, so that we can focus on the real issues. Because the behavior is not the real issue. See, legalism and religion will always focus on, oh, good, you didn't sin today. Yeah, great. Good, you didn't sin today. Now let's really work on this. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of the, more how my attitude is. All right. Defensive strategy. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look at some of these scriptures more in detail on the midweek services. And um, those of you who are in OSL, you've actually seen some of these things. But um, I want to give you very briefly and very practically some defensive strategies that you can put into place. I'm talking to those of you who want to be free. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead, your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Brilliant wisdom. Absolutely surefire strategies right here in these verses. I used to preach from this stuff all the time to the youth. I loved it. All we talk about God's love and Proverbs. <laughs> Again, very physical passage of Scripture. God comes to us and says, my son, my daughter, right? Hey, listen to me. And he talks to us about our ears, right? Incline your ear. Listen, listen to what I have to say. Listen to my words, listen to my sayings. Then he talks about our eyes, right? Don't let them leave your sight. That's what God is saying. He's saying, let my word 
Get into your ears and get into your heart. Why? Because then they'll get into your heart. One translation actually says, where it says, keep them in the midst of your heart. It actually says, let them penetrate into your heart, deep into your heart. So your eyes and your ears are the gateway to your heart. They're the doors and the window of your house called your body. And everything is about the heart. Do you see what, uh, um, I'm sorry, what God says in this, in Proverbs? He says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. See, everything flows out of your heart. You hear me say that all the time, oh, it's all about the heart. It's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. Out of your heart, you speak. Out of your heart, you will act. Whatever's in your heart, this will dictate how you live. Out of your heart, this will dictate your actions. See, I can look at the things you do and know what's in your heart. Not judging, just simple math. <laughs> right? Simple biology. Whatever fruits on the tree, that's what the root is. That's what kind of tree it is. So whatever your life is manifesting, that's what's in your heart. And so God, in his brilliant wisdom, says, look, the eyes and the ears, gateway to your heart. So cause my word to be always in your ear and cause my word to be always before your eyes. Why? Because then my word will be flooded in your heart. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That would be part of the offensive strategy. Gorge your heart with the word of God. Cause the word to be flooding into your ears and into your eyes. And then let it penetrate in your heart. And then hold it into your heart. And let the word of God, God's promises. See what happens when you actually believe God's promises. Right? That's what begins to shape your life. What begins to happen when you start listening to God's word and doing what he says? It releases that blessing that he promised on his word. Right again, this is not just any old book. This is the word of God. So God's power and God's favor is upon these words here. But what happens when you let other things into your ears and other things into your eyes? They begin to shape your life. They begin to hinder the blessing. They begin to bring bondage in your life. They begin to hinder the calling of God in your life and hinder wholeness and blessing in your life. And so God says, guard your heart. Defensive strategy number one. Guard your eyes and ears. Guard your eyes and ears. See, what would happen if you were living, what happens if you knew a thief was coming into your house? What if you knew a thief was coming? Would you not lock your doors, lock your windows, put an alarm, get a guard dog? Yeah? I mean, shoot, most of you, how many of you lock your doors last night? Right? How many of you lock your doors when you, when you park your car? Yeah. Well, why? Because something might happen, right? We don't even live in that much of a dangerous area, and yet something might happen. Go talk to Frank and June Williams who are in Haiti. They better be locking their doors. No, he, my, my point, we don't even live in that dangerous scenario, but oh, yeah, we're, well, we got to lock our doors. Some of it's fear, but you know what I'm saying? If we lock the doors of our house and we lock the doors of our car, then why are we opening the doors of our heart, our eyes and our ears? It's like, oh, just here, let me open all the doors of my house, all the windows, and let me just put a sign out in front that says, any thief, come in here and take my stuff. Oh, here, hey, garbage man, could you just back your truck up and just dump your garbage into my house, please? I'd like that. That's what we're doing. Most of us here have no guards on our eyes and our ears. We have no defenses. 
We have no strategies to resist the temptation. It's like, oh, just come on in. The enemy just the, the, the enemy just coming on in, stealing our stuff. It's like we got all these people living in our house, just like eating our food, stealing our stuff, you know, messing up our carpet, leaving their trash everywhere. That's what that's what so many of our hearts look like. And why? Because you didn't lock the door. That's it. You got to lock your door. You got to lock your windows. You got to put the alarm on. Put a stinking guard dog out there. And a sign that says, beware, my dog will rip your head off. (laughs) That's the kind of aggression. I don't mean that in reality, right? Don't do that. (laughs) I mean that in a spiritual sense. Do that for your body. You need need to guard your eyes and ears. There's so many people... Men, uh, I won't talk about that. <laughs> okay, no, there's so many guys that just think that, uh, uh, no, you know, I just let it into my eyes, let it into my ears. But I'm an adult, I'm mature, I can filter it out. There is no filter behind your eyes and ears. It goes in your eyes, right into your heart. It goes into your ears, right into your heart. You know, oh, no, I can process what's good and bad, and I can just filter it through. Oh, uh, yeah, that's called self-deception. That's called self-deception. And oftentimes, people who have not broken from sin and who have not truly repented, they're very self-deceiving about this thing called defensive strategies. Let me read to you Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What's appeared to all men? Grace. Amen? Praise God. I love grace. Yeah? It teaches us to say no. To ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, there that word is again, upright and godly lives in this present age. Self-control is the truest freedom because it means you're not being controlled and dictated by other things. See those substances, those people that you're in codependent relationships with, you're allowing them to control you and to dictate your emotional state. But the truest freedom is freedom in Christ where I'm dependent upon him for my everything and where I am self-controlled and nobody dictates what I do or how I feel, nothing except for Jesus. That's freedom. And the grace of God teaches us to put some bars on our windows, put some defenses into our life, and to say those two letters that we hate as a culture, N-O, no. In our culture of freedom, permission, tolerance, We're all about yes, aren't we? Some of you as parents, you need to say no to your kids. Your job is to control, is not to control them, is to bring discipline into their life until they internalize it into their lives and have self-control. You're the no for your kids. Many of you who are adults now, you need to say no. You need to say no to the sin. And you need to say no to certain things you're watching and certain things you're listening to. It's really that simple. And it's what? The grace of God. God teaches you. Jesus didn't save you, deliver you from your sins so you could live in it. Why would he save you from something that is destroying you so you could keep living in the thing that is destroying you? No, it's the grace of God. It's the power of Jesus that sets you free and then empowers you to say, no, I'm not going to live that way. That's not coming in my house. And the defensive strategies build up the resistance. The, the Proverbs say that a man or a woman without self-control is, a pers- or is like a city without walls. 
right? Without self-control, without the ability to say no to what is wrong and yes to what is right. You are a person without defenses. Totally pray to the enemy. Totally pray to things or people that would come and rob you. And so you're letting things into your eyes and your ears that are destroying your marriage, destroying your family, robbing your kids of the blessing of purity, numbing your heart to your husband or wife, bringing you into bondage and separating you from God. Not that he doesn't love you, but it's separating you from that intimacy with the Lord. You're just allowing that in there. What most men do not understand, women as well, is that you're losing the battle before it even begins. Before you even step on the field, you've lost. You don't realize that the battle is right here with your eyes and your ears. So you've already let the enemy in. You've already let the people. They're living in your house. They're eating your food. They're stealing your stuff. They're dumping trash on your carpet. And you're trying to get them out. Get out. Get out, Dave. I'm really struggling with purity issues and stuff like that. That's because you let them in the house. Can you help me get them out? Why'd you let them in the first place? It's a lot easier if you just don't let them in. Yeah? But now that they're in, we got a lot more work to do. You got to take your authority in Christ. You got to kick them out. Do some eviction notice. That's called the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the eviction notice. Right? The enemy has been defeated. So you take your authority. You kick them out. But then what do we do? You just let them come right back in, don't you? Because you have no self-control or defenses in your life to actually say no. When I was, uh, came to the Lord at age 16, I've told you that the reason that the Lord set me free by His grace and His power was because I was working the offensive strategy, right? Filling my heart with the Word of God. I was discovering who I was in Jesus Christ. I'm the righteous God in Christ Jesus, right? Shame and condemnation falling off my life. I was by working the offensive strategies that I was able to move out of this stuff. But what I haven't probably made extremely clear to you is that, boy, do I have a lot of defensive strategies. I got a lot of defensive strategies. And the only reason why the behavior was able to be stopped was because I was working the defensive strategies, not legalism, simply doing what the Word says. That's it, just doing what the Word says. Hear God's voice, do what He says, works. And oftentimes when I counsel people, I don't like to just give them the defensive strategies because if your heart's not in it, and if you're not hearing what God is saying specifically to you, it doesn't seem to work. You got to own it. So a lot of times I teach the concept of defensive strategies. I give some examples, and then you've got to, in a sense, figure it out with the help of an accountability partner and friends and people like that. And so I was, uh, I was a young believer, and I was doing 1 Peter 4. Man, I remember reading 1 Peter 4 and thinking, I'm done with sin. I'm willing to suffer and die for this thing because I'm going to live for the will of God. I'm not living that way anymore. That thing was deception. That was destruction. That was lies. I was like, man, God loves me. I got a calling on my life. I'm living for God now. So I had kind of an attitude, still do, <laughs> about these kind of things. And I'm watching TV. That's what you do, right? That's what I always did. Man, shoot. Raised on TV. Watch TV all the time. And the Lord just began to speak to me. You're losing right here. You're just letting this stuff into your eyes and ears. Wasn't necessarily because the TV... Let me just make sure you guys understand. The thing, the metal box with the glass, that's not from the devil, okay? That's just a thing. But the values, the things that come through it, my own heart and how I was approaching, even watching television. Lord said, you're losing right there. So guess what I did? Stopped watching TV. Wow. Just brilliant, aren't I? I'm just so smart. (laughs) Just joking. (laughs) 
The Lord just said, look, you're losing right there. You need to stop. Real simple, isn't it? Two plus two does equal four, right? If that's where you're losing, stop. And I began to put defensive strategies into my life. And I just stopped doing the things that were causing me to lose. Now, a lot of guys, I talk to them and say, okay, so you're really struggling. So what kind of stuff do you watch? What kind of movies do you watch? And they begin to look at me like, what? That's not my struggle, Dave. My struggle is with, like, you know, the internet and pornography. No, that's not your struggle. Honestly, I get these, I usually know if they're serious or not. Or I know, I, I can tell where they're at. They look at me like, either you're stupid. <laughs> you know, they look at me like, you're stupid. No, I'm talking about pornography, not movies. And I go, yeah, I'm talking about movies. <laughs> you're losing before you ever even get to the internet, right? These people, you, okay, and here, here's the bottom line. Some of you, you need to just turn off the TV. Get rid of your cable. Throw your TV away. Get rid of your internet. I start talking to guys like this, and they go, oh, oh I, can't, I, I can't do that. You know, man, I really need to check my email. I don't care if you need to check your email. I'm going to look on Facebook and everything. I don't care. You want freedom or not? You want to be pure or not? Get serious. Right? Get on the train The train's leaving, right? You know, get on with it here. Here's the principle. You do whatever it takes. There it is. Write it down. You do whatever it takes. That's it. Whatever it takes. Get rid of cable. Who cares? Get rid of the internet. There are filters that you can put on the internet. Right? There are filters you can put on your TV. This is the conversation I have with some people. Hey, so why don't you put a filter on it? Well, you know, I can, I can check the password. Why don't you give the password to a friend, to your, to your wife or something like that, or to your, to your husband or whatever it is. Why don't you guys, why, why, you know, uh, couples is kind of easy. One gets half the password, the other gets the other half. Why don't you do that? Well, you know, I'm really smart. I can, like, work behind the filters, and, you know, I'm really good at that. Then get rid of your computer. If you're that smart, then why don't you actually apply some of the wisdom? I love you. <laughs> Stop deceiving yourself, right? Stop fooling yourself. Stop playing around and start getting serious. You want to get free? Do something about it. It's really that. So I'm telling you, it's really not that difficult. People try to make all these excuses. And that's all they are is excuses. <clears throat> Another thing I did, <laughs> this is kind of funny. You guys think I'm now I'm kind of weird. I'm going to tell you my real my stuff here. I stopped talking impure stuff, right? It says right here that the, uh, it says to, to um, <clears throat> it says to put a perversity from your mouth. I knew that my lips, my mouth, my speech was going to govern how I thought and how I was going to live, right? It's all tied together, the parts of your body as weapons of righteousness. So guess what? I just stopped laughing about jokes. I just stopped laughing. You got to understand. I mean, I got friends that we used to do some really bad stuff, stupid stuff together. And I just said, look, I'm going to follow Jesus now. So I'm not doing this, 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 and this. And they looked at me like, what? So yeah, no more. I didn't stop being their friend. I just told them about Jesus, brought them to church, that kind of thing. But I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going down that road. Thought I was crazy. So they would make their jokes just like always. And I'd look at them like, huh? What? They thought I was stupid. I remember even going to college. 
Christians making jokes. And I look at them like, what? They're like, man, you must live in a box. And I'm like, oh, I must. I thought I was stupid. I'm not stupid. I'm smart. I just stopped laughing at the jokes. Nowadays, I actually don't get most of them. (laughs) But that's what happens when you actually walk in purity, because to the pure, all things are pure. Yeah? That's what the Bible says. And the reality is, I'm not saying we don't laugh around, I mean, joke around and and, and laugh and stuff like that. In fact, with people who are pure, you know, even with my wife, we laugh, joke about stuff, you know, because it's pure. We're laughing about things that are are cool that God made. And so I'm not saying you can't be funny, man. I'm actually a lot... uh, Laugh a lot more than I used to, actually. I got a lot more joy in my life than I ever did. But uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 says, Let there be no hint of sexual morality among you. No hint. Right? No coarse joking. None of that stuff. Out. So I just stopped laughing at it. I stopped telling the jokes. You know, I used to be like a really sarcastic person. I just stopped doing it. My friends were like, man, you're not funny anymore. You're just nice. I was like, well, stop being sarcastic. I stopped sowing death into people's lives. I, just started, I, started, I started building people up. Now I'm somebody, I just want to edify people and build them up. I don't speak death. I don't want to speak that kind of stuff over people. These are the kind of decisions I made to get stuff out of my life, to stop certain things, and to put guards on my mouth, on my eyes, on my ears, all that kind of stuff. The second thing that we need to do is to understand and defend against our weaknesses. Most people who are in addictions don't understand their weaknesses, and they don't understand that their addiction follows a predictable pattern. There's rituals. There's patterns of thought. There's, there's, basically, the enemy has this hook in your emotions and this hook in your mind and this hook in your body, and he's leading you around like a dumb ox. Okay, I didn't, I didn't make that up. The Bible says that. <laughs> well, I really need to be careful here. I love you. I'm being nice here, okay? The Bible says it. Okay, Proverbs chapter 7. You just jump over to Proverbs chapter 7. There's this story of this man who's just devoid of understanding. He's clueless, right? And he just kind of, in the middle of the night, just kind of wandering down the street, getting close. Oh, I wonder what's down that street. Just getting closer and closer to this particular street. And then he gets a little bit closer and closer to the corner of her house, the house of the adulteress, the harlot. And she comes out and she woos him and seduces him. And the point of the Proverbs is, dude, don't go by her house. Don't even go down her street, You need to understand your weaknesses and what tempts you. You need to understand how you feel emotionally, right? Like, well, okay, when I feel lonely or when I get angry, that's when I get most tempted. Or when I'm alone or or this or that. You need to understand your weak points, the times that you struggle the most, the patterns of thought that you have, the patterns, the the, the rituals that you have, the, the, the emotional issues and the relational issues that are leading you into that sin. And you need to put defenses, barriers up so you don't even go near that street. So you don't even go near her house. And that house is a symbol of the place of temptation, that thing that you struggle with. Too many people, right? They're letting it into their eyes and their ears so they're weak and they're, they're letting it in over here, and they're falling over here. But also, there's a lot of people that you're just kind of wandering around, getting closer and closer. And then, and then it's like, I'm fighting the temptation. Woo, I'm fighting it. Well, that's because you're in her house. <laughs> you should have been fighting it like 20 blocks away. <laughs> it's like the man who, who's trying to you know, break his donut issue, right? his donut addiction. And he's sitting in his house. Oh, no more donuts, you know? And all of a sudden you think, man, I'm hungry. I need a donut. 
I need a donut. No, no, no donuts. No donuts. No donuts. I, I'm not supposed to eat donuts. I'm breaking this donut addiction. Yeah, no, no more donuts. Oh, yeah, I need donuts. You know, about an hour later, he thinks, I need to go to the store. I need to get some milk. Yeah, oh, that's what I need to do. I'm going to go to the store. So he gets in his car, and he's, he's driving down, going towards the, the grocery store. And, oh, oh, there's a donut shop. And he kind of looks. Oh, donut shop. Goes to get the milk. He thinks to himself, yeah, yeah. I'll just, just go back the same way. Drives by, looks at the donut shop. I'm just going to look. I'm just going to look. All of a sudden, he finds himself making a U-turn, pulling in the parking lot. I'm just going to sit and look at the donut shop. Yeah, that's a nice-looking donut shop. I'm not going in, though. I'm not going in. Then he goes into the donut shop, you know, mysteriously. He asks these guys, how'd you end up in Hollywood in the middle of the night? I have no idea. Really? You have no idea. Hmm. Okay, like you're a sleepwalker or something like that. So it end up, ends, up in, uh, ends up in the donut shop. I'm just going to smell the donut. Oh, that just smells good. I, that's all I need. I just need a little bit, a little fix, you know? And then, and then he starts praying, yeah? Oh, Lord, stop me. I just don't want to do this, man. Lord, help me not to eat this donut. Next minute, he's got two dozen donuts back at his house, you know, scarfing down. When, when did he lose that battle? Lost it back at his house. Right? Not when he drove by it. Not when he went in. Not when he was sniffing the donut. Not when he was at the donut shop. He lost it at his house. He lost it in his mind. Right? Because it's the desire that leads us into sin. And when sin gives birth, it leads to death. So James chapter 1 says. See, we need defenses that keep you from even going near the donut shop. That keep you from going in, keep you from sniffing, keep you from even going close to it. See, if this man was uh, applying defensive strategies, our donut man. If this man had truly repented and was trying to make a break from this kind of stuff, he'd take a different road to the store. You know what I'm saying? Or he'd put relational boundaries So we need physical barriers, we need mental barriers, and we need relational barriers. We need people who will stand in our way. See, if this man was serious, he'd make sure that somebody knew where he was at at all times. He'd only go to the store with somebody. He would be calling his friend the moment he even thought of a donut. I thought of a donut right now. Can we pray? If this person was serious, he'd have a full-on bodyguard wrestling him to the ground when he even gets in his car, <laughs> right? Full, you know, full Nelson over here. You ain't going to get in the donut. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we need those kind of mental barriers. We need those kind of people barriers. We need those kind of physical barriers. Like I said, for some of you, it means taking your TV and a baseball bat and saying, TV, meet my baseball bat. You guys saw that movie, Fireproof? Some of you. It's it's an awesome movie about a husband and wife who are really struggling, about to fall apart in the midst of the divorce process. And this man tries to do this uh, uh, love dare thing, and his heart's totally not in it. He's not not doing it with any kind of uh, motivation or anything. uh, But in the middle of it, his father leads him to the Lord. He gives his life to Jesus. 
And then he starts trying to put some of his, you know, some of his, his heart into this. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm finally starting to know what love is. But he's sitting in his, um, he's sitting in his living room at one point in the movie. I think it's the best scene. And, and uh, uh, he's looking at this boat that he's been saving up for, $30,000 he's got saved up, that kind of thing. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, the internet pornography thing pops up or whatever. And he's like, oh, he's trying, to, he's trying to fight, he's trying to resist it. And he goes and he sits down, he reads the chapter from the love dare, and he's asking God, help me, help me. And I believe that there is a point in every believer's life, whether it's the pornography thing or whatever, where this is the decision. Are you going to suffer and die and make Jesus your Lord and live for him or not? And this man basically takes his computer, takes it out. I love it. I, did, I, I, I never yell in, in movies. And I was like, woo, yeah. Takes a baseball bat and just beats his computer to a pulp, puts a dozen roses on the desk and says, I love you more to his wife. And goes and spends the 30000 and buys uh, some medical equipment that she needed for her parents. And then he consistently serves his wife and loves her, even in the midst of the divorce process, when she's looked him in the face and says, I don't love you. He won't give up. And I know people who would look at that and watch that movie and say, that's not real. That's not real. That's not authentic Christianity. Let me tell you, that is authentic Christianity. I don't know which one you're living. That's normal Christianity. Now, let me tell you something. That man's freedom from addiction did not end that day. It began that day. Okay, you got to work the strategies, you got to get into accountability, you got to get wholeness. So just beating up your computer is not going to do it. But let me tell you something, if you're not that serious, you just won't even, get, you won't even be talking about freedom. And that man made a serious choice. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church, even if she chooses to divorce me. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, give all of myself to my wife. Bottom line, he made that choice and he made a break with sin. <clears throat> Some of you need to be in that accountability. I told guys, you don't call me after you sin. Well, you do. Okay, I shouldn't say it like that. Accountability, I say accountability is not after you call me after you sin. You call me before. Right? You call before. You allow the people in your life to become the barriers in your life to stop you from going down that road. There are certain mental strategies that I have that like, you know, I don't look at billboard. You know, you're just driving down the street. I'm like, I ain't looking. <laughs> I do whatever it takes. I ain't looking at that thing. But there are times where things do come into our eyes, right? You're watching a TV show. You're not really intending to look at anything impure. You mute the commercials. I don't, I don't look at the commercials because it's usually pretty bad. But something just flashes across the screen. As a guy, there are days, uh, most of you probably know, there are days physically uh, harder than others. We all go through uh, physical cycles. We go through mental things. There are days that are harder, right? That I got to fight. I got to be on my guard. I got to work these strategies just like everyone else. And so I even have just mental strategies, that if something comes in my eyes, you know, I'm driving down the street, some billboard or whatever, I've got these things in place that, I mean, this might sound kind of silly, but shoot, I put like a stop sign in my imagination. I just go, boom, stop, and I just start praying in the Spirit. I just start worshiping the Lord, and I get my eyes back on the Lord. Why? Because that thing has come into my eyes, even if I didn't want it, you know? And generally, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't tempt me. I just turn my eyes away, but there are days where I'm struggling. There's days where it's harder. There are days where my heart is inclining a certain way and i gotta say lord lord my heart lord i confess this this the inclination this lust in my heart you know and i renounce it you know and if this thought comes to me or the enemy uh, many of you probably know well because if you've been looking at stuff for a long time in your life these things are burned in your into your retina 
into, I'm sorry, into your, into your, in your uh, memory bank. The enemy brings it up. Your flesh brings it up. So these images comes at these images come at you. What are you going to do? So I have just mental barriers. See, I'm not struggling in the donut shop. By the grace of God, I'm free. I'm not going to the donut shop. I'm over here going no donut. Stop sign. I don't think so. And I just do these silly things in my brain to even just shut the image down and to get my thoughts back on Jesus. And because of that, I'm not going down that path. Right? Maybe you need to never go on the internet and if there's no if somebody's not around. Maybe you need some filters like I said. There's filters that you know you can have the pastor. You can have your friend receive emails. Your accountability partner receive emails that, that tell exactly what sites you've been on that week. There are so many defensive strategies you can put into place. A lot of times, men, when they start to get serious about this, they'll find out the day and the time and the situation where they're most tempted, and they start targeting that time. And especially, being, they'll be in the Word and in worship, especially that time. Right? They'll say, you know what, Dave? Yeah, that's when I'm most struggling. So I'll say, okay, ask God what you need to do. Just ask God. Ask God, what do you need to do to fight against that particular thing? Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're lonely. Whatever it is, right? It's that one time at 2.30 a.m., nobody's around, you know? It's like, what are you going to do about it? Who are you going to call or what are you going to do? And a lot of times guys will just say, you know what? I'm going to start reading my word. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start doing the offensive stuff right there when I'm most tempted. There are so many defenses that you can put up. But the issue is that you've got to ask the Lord. And you've got to get serious and put them in place. I tell people who are dating, never alone. Never. Oh, we can, we can, we can handle it, right? Hey, hey, so, uh, you know, I talked to a guy who's dealing with pornography. So, 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 so you're, you're struggling with pornography. How, what do you spend your time with? Oh, I just surf the internet. Hmm. Right. right. You're surfing the internet, but you're struggling with pornography. No, no, I'm just going on there, chat with my friends, stuff like that. Right, that's called going door, near the door of her house. That's called going in and sniffing out the donuts. Right, so I'll tell them, stop, cut it off. Stop wasting your time with all that junk and start spending your time with, with the, what the Lord wants you to do. Right? I just get, get in their face about that kind of stuff. Or yeah, two people dating, I say, oh no, so I'm going to go back to the pornography one. The guy goes, no, no, I can handle it. No, I'm just surfing. I'm, I can handle it. I can handle it. No, you can't. Look at Proverbs chapter 7. Let me read this to you. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Little knowing it will cost him his life. See, the pornography, all that stuff is... Holding out to you this promise of pleasure, saying, oh, I'll make you feel like a man. I'll make you feel like a woman. I'll make, you, I'll make you feel loved and accepted. It's holding that out to you, that lie. But guess what it really gives you? Death. It's killing you. It's robbing you of the pleasure that God actually has for you. And listen to what it says in verse 24. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways. It's all about your heart, isn't it? Or stray into her paths. All about your feet. Don't even go near there. Don't even be thinking about it. Don't even go close. Verse 26. Many are the victims she has brought down. Statistics will tell you that. Listen to this though. Her slain are a mighty throng. New King James says it. All those who she has slain 
They were all strong men. Listen to me. You're not that strong. Because all the other people who fell before you, they were all strong. I can handle it, Dave. No, you can't. Your eyes and ears are the gateway to your heart. You let it in, you will fall. Deal with it. Just face it. Stop lying to yourself. Right? Oh, I can go on the internet. I can do this and that. I won't click on that. I won't go to those sites. Yeah, you will. I can have cable. I'm strong enough. No, you're not. So I talk to young men and women who are dating. Never alone. Never. We can handle it, Dave. They look like I'm stupid. Oh, come on, man. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Your life. Right? This is, again, it's not legalism. It's wisdom. It's just being smart. You hang out in a public area. Why? But you're not that strong. See, defensive strategies help you to understand, I can't fight alone, and I'm not that strong. That's one of the reasons, praise God, that I can continue to walk in purity, because I know I'm not that strong. I know. If I let something in my eyes and ears, I'm going to be wrestling with it. I know if I went down a certain path, it's going to take me out. I know that. And so I'm smart enough to put the defenses, right? I'm not like some quarterback who's like, I don't need no offensive line. I can handle this. Yeah, as he gets sacked all the way down the field. You need some offensive linemen. You need some defensive people to help you because you are not that strong. You need an accountability partner. You need to put these barriers in place because you are not that strong. So number one, I said, guard your eyes and your ears so that your heart can remain flooded with the word of God and pure. I don't even look at stuff. I don't even watch, I, I, I don't look at the, 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 certain, uh, like the certain ratings on movies. I don't look at the ratings. I look at what it describes as in the movie. I go online and I check out what's in the movie. I'm very discerning what kind of movies I watch. I'm very discerning about what's going to come into my eyes and my ears. And, you know, there are times where I'll make a mistake or, or, uh, or even just, you know, PG movie, man, <laughs> sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, my goodness, you know. But I'm very discerning. Why? Oh, Dave, you're just a weak man. Call me a weak man, right? I used to have in Bible college, some of you guys might know this argument, the weaker brother and the stronger brother, right? You're just the weaker brother. Shoot, that passage, that isn't even talking about that. It's talking about food. And I'd, be, I'd tell guys, like, call me weak. I'm the weaker brother, but I'm free. Thank you. And a lot of guys, the reason why they're reacting, I, I wouldn't tell people, you can't watch movies, you can't do this. I don't, you know, you, I, I don't like to walk around doing that. It's not even really my heart today. That's not really the point of this. The point is guard your heart, guard your eyes and ears. The point is get serious. Right? I'm trying to put legalism on us. I'm just trying to say, be straight up. Stop lying to yourself. But I wouldn't even say that kind of stuff to people. I just wouldn't do it myself. How come you don't want to watch that movie? I just don't want to. What, man? They try to convince me that I should do something. Why are you trying to convince me? And a lot of times I found out later, as they would come to me and say, how hey, we used to make fun of you. We used to think that you were all, you know, legalistic and stuff. But can you pray for me? Because I'm bound. I went down there to this, this thing, and I did all this stuff. Now I'm just stuck, man. Can you pray for me? Sure. Right? Same people that would just get all mad about my defensive strategies. I wasn't even trying to put on them. Turns out they were mad because they were hiding something in their heart. 
Let me just read one more verse to you, and we'll wrap it up. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Step number three, run away. Flee, because you're not that strong. You shouldn't even be close. But if you're tempted, don't try to tough it out. Get out of there, you know what I'm saying? Just run as fast as you can. Do you see how physical this is? Every verse we've looked at, every defensive strategy has to do with your eyes, your ears, your hands, your body, your feet. Just run, run, run. So I'll tell guys, I'll just be like, dude, I don't know what you got to do, but like just run, whatever that means. I mean, so whatever that looks like, you know, sometimes that little means run, just run. You've put the defenses in place. You've done this. You've done that. What happens if somebody come knocking on my door? Run. But what happens if I run, have to run out in my underwear? You're in good company because Joseph did. <laughs> Do you remember Joseph? For those of you who don't know, right? Day after day. Come on. Ah, come and sleep with me, Joseph. Right? And he was a man of God. And he said, no. No, I'm, I'm living in the fear of the Lord. I'm, I'm living for Jesus. I can't do that to my master, right? But he's thinking about the Lord because he had the fear of God in his life. He wasn't even tempted. Hey, no, 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 no. She grabbed him. Come to me. He ran. His clothes ripped. He got in trouble. You're saying, Dave, I've got to be willing to suffer. Just like jo- Joseph went to prison because he said to Im- no to impurity. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Are you willing for that to happen? See, you are mentally, physically, emotionally addicted. And if you're going to get free, you will have to literally go against the grain of all of those feelings. Your body will scream at you. See, your habit, your addiction is like a religion to you. And so you will literally feel like you're denying yourself. That's exactly what you're doing. That's what Jesus said. Deny yourself. That word deny yourself is painful. Your brain will scream at you. Come on, just satisfy me. And you will have to make a choice to go cold turkey, burn the bridges and put up the barriers so you don't go back to there. And all all the while you're doing the fleeing and the running and the barriers, you work your offensive strategy so you can grow in wholeness. But your body will scream at you. Your, your emotions will scream at you. What are you doing to me? And if you're not willing to suffer and die, if you're not willing to run out of the house with your underwear, don't do that. I was just kind of being silly about that. But if you're not willing to do that and risk your reputation and have people laugh at you and end up in stinking in prison, you're not ready then. Because the temptation is strong. Because our culture is flooded with immorality because there is a spiritual battle out there there are demonic spirits out there just looking to take you out and so if you are not armed with that first peter 4 i'm ready to suffer and put these into place you're not going to get free